There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix on Thursday the 4th of March 2010. For the newcomers out there, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, scroll down and you'll see all the other official sites listed. Bookmark them for future use because sometimes the, the main com site goes down. And uh, the official sites are uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.net, .us, .ca, the .com of course, Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.org. And there's also cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. And there's also two mirror sites as well, which you'll see on the, the front page there. And uh, the, the tin can moment comes right after this because I shake the tin can. It's quiet because there's nothing much in it. And that's up to you to keep me going because this is probably one of the, maybe the only show out there where I don't get paid by the advertisers. I could if I wanted to. But then I'd have to bring people on as guests and so on. And you'd be listening to maybe an ad for a whole hour without realizing it. But uh, I've decided to go the other way. The ads you hear in the show are paid by the advertisers straight to RBN for the airtime. That pays their staff and their bills and equipment and all the other stuff that we hate doing ourselves. So you can keep me going by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, see what I have for sale, the discs, the books, and so on. And you can... Pay from the U.S. to Canada with personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office if you wish. And I stress international. Don't walk out with the green one. That's internal only. You can also use um, PayPal for purchasing or donating. If you want to purchase, send a separate email to me with your order along with the PayPal donation. You can use cash. That gets through as well. And there's MoneyGram and Western Union. Outside America, same deal. Western Union, MoneyGram, cash, or you can send a PayPal donation-order. It's up to you. And for those who get the disc burned and pass to them to play on their CD players, they don't like computers, which I still think is a fairly temporary thing, at least as far as freedom of speech goes, uh, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4. Esther, E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, number 4, N for Nora, and number 1, P-3-E-4-N-1. And that will get to me. I'm always talking about reality. It's something that people think they're in, but seldom are. And even people who should know better often fall back into the the red herrings that are put out there for them to chase after. You know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, people in the U.S. especially, who were rather vigilant, a lot of people were still vigilant while the rest were sleeping and consuming, uh, they had so many ways to keep in touch with each other. Today, the patriot community would hang out the white flags if the internet went down. I'm not kidding you. 
They don't need anything else happening, just the internet going down, and out comes the white flag outside their windows. It's all over for them. Astonishing. Astonishing how we adapt until we're utterly helpless, and we can't think of anything else to do. And we forget all the other ways of communication that's been around for such an awful long time. And yet people are going frantic when they read things like, Obama can shut down the internet in a national emergency. Well, so what? If you're so dependent on the internet, and you think that is freedom, then you're already gone. You're already gone. The internet's out there for the elite to serve themselves, not to serve you. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix, just reminding people to use their heads and not to be run by fear. There's an old saying that if you can't handle the truth, don't look for it. And it's very, very true because the truth can be, it can be rather harsh and if you allow yourself to be afraid of it, then it will floor you, it will put you into a neurosis or a static state where you're sitting shivering underneath the kitchen table and that's not where you want to be. Yeah, and don't let yourself be sidetracked by, by people who just uh, scare the bejesus out you and uh, leave it at that. Handle the truth. Handle the truth. And if no one's sitting outside your door right now in some black uh, government uh, truck or whatever ready to blast you out the, uh, to smithereens, then don't worry about it. Uh, you've been living this long and this new world order has been going on before you were born. It was happening before your parents were born. Every part, every stage is just a part to the next phase. All pre-planned, of course, including the takedown. But you've got to be able to handle the bad news. And you don't panic at the first, the first headlines that come out there that Obama can shut down the Internet and then you hang out the white flags in front of your apartments or your houses because it's suddenly all over. You can't type to someone anymore. What a shame. I wonder what your your predecessors would have done. There's no plan B, C, D, or E. It's just astonishing how people have become addicted to the Internet and they can't figure out any other way to communicate to each other if anything should happen. Astonishing. To me, that's astonishing. But, uh, I say, bad news will always come along. Always come along. And the most you can do is take what's relevant, what isn't so relevant to you, and prepare day by day, week by week, and so on for yourself and those that you love, basically, to get through bad, bad times. That's the best you can honestly do. Because we're up against uh, the, the most organized system that's ever existed on planet Earth. Uh, totally integrated with each other through academia, through countless think tanks, foundations and organizations, all working with the governments. And we don't put the government officials into power. The big boys do. See, democracy never, ever existed. It was a great con while it lasted. And democracy, to an extent, can give you, well, they're using you, of course, because people are always used. And Charles Galton Darwin is quite right when he said in his own book, that people have always been slaves in one form or another. 
and were simply creating a, a more sophisticated form of slavery. That was democracy with its taxation. And during a productive period where you've got to build up the economy, use your tax money for projects abroad or wars as they take over the planets, they allow you to drive old junker cars with rust in it and so on. The cops stay off your back during that, that period. You get your cheap cigarettes and cheap booze. You get your cheap entertainment. No one bothers you. You can live in an old shack somewhere and there's no official coming up to measure it and saying you can't live there. It's, it's not... It's not good for the for the local uh, surrounding area and, and the plants and the wildlife. You didn't get that then. It's only after your usefulness is over for that part and they've completed their mission and they've taken all your industry from you, they don't need you anymore. And that's when they say, my goodness, we're pulling your old junker off the road because there's a hole there and carbon monoxide might get through. And here you are talking to the cop through an open window. What, what is that? What's that space there that you're talking through? <laughs> and then they crush your car and all the rest of it. Then up go your smokes because they don't want you to smoke anymore, and so on and so on and so on. If you notice, China is going through uh, their industrial phase, and the peasantry there, just like the peasantry everywhere else, is allowed cheap smokes and, and, and lots of fun and that kind of stuff too. And they can drive their old junkers without being annoyed by uh, squads of cops on the roads. This is a system we live through, a system. And believe you me, a lot of people do crack up when they, with the information that gets thrown out there, and they cannot discern what, what is real, what is fake, or what's meant to immobilize you with fear and terror. They can't distinguish eventually. I read an article just a few days ago where a couple uh, with two children had committed suicide and killed one of their children, uh, shot the other one uh, two or three times, but it survived the baby because they believed the mainstream media uh, uh, was leading to uh, was telling them that it's going to be a hopeless future of global warming and desert desertification and no forests and and all that kind of stuff. That's what that's what drove them to that. Listening to that stuff, they were right into environmentalism. That they believed every bit of propaganda that was pumped into them. And it's the same thing, too, when you get into trying to fight the evil that's all around the world. You've got to discern what's real, what isn't, what you can do about something, what you can't. And you don't allow yourself to be crushed and panicked by the stuff that's thrown out to you on a daily basis. Remember now, our perception of things have changed drastically, drastically, since they gave us the Internet. Again, mainly to monitor us and classify all of us their daily activities. We must be predictable in a totalitarian society. That's why you've got it. But it also gives you news from all over the planet. And the world isn't changing. You might hear about a, a tsunami here or an earthquake there, but that's always happened down through history. But when you hear this stuff coming at you, it's, oh my God, the world's collapsing, it's caving in on itself, everything's going crazy, blah, 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 blah. Because you've got access to more data and information than you ever, ever had before. If you're in the Middle Ages, it wouldn't matter if there was 10 volcanoes went up and 15 Pacific Islands sunk under them. You'd never heard about it, and so you wouldn't have been worried about it. And media makes a great deal about this kind of stuff, trying to scare the bejesus out of you. And for a lot of people, it works. 
I've gone through as best I can a lot of this agenda by giving you the official documents from the official people who are helping working it into being. And you know, most people would rather look at something else than look and study the dry material that comes from governments or it comes from their, their main helpers and think tanks that outline their whole agenda in phases, 5, 10, 15, 50 year plans, 100 year plan. I, I give you all these links and so on for their PDFs, the, the churn out of the think tanks for the governments. We see how it's been implemented stage by stage by stage. We've gone through this. I went through this years ago and I keep doing it up to the present. But people are so easily sidetracked with really, really purpose, purposefully put out their trivia that sidelines you off into terror land. Now, government has counterintelligence out there. They have their, their, site, their, 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 um, their teams that will hack your computers and so on. But most of their job is in counterintelligence. And they will leak stuff out there to the public. I read about it before, but the budget for some of the military um, colleges and so on that are dealing with this, and their budgets are putting out false information. And they'll put them out under different names, different organizations that don't even exist, and then it's repeated off in mainstream news or patriot news. And people prattle it, and and, uh, before you know it, it's blown out of all proportion, it's working very well. Everyone's mind is, is collapsing, and they're crippled with terror and fear. Always be wary of the data that you allow to come into your brain. You are the guardian of your own brain. No one else is. And believe you me, the brain is such an important thing. Governments have put billions of dollars of research into how to control your brain. From basic psychology, basic, through psychic driving and repetition of terror, over and over and over again, using slogans of terror. And they've also used electromagnetic fields and things like that. I've read the books by Brzezinski that he churned out in the 70s to do with the technotronic era and how they would try and control whole continents with their emotions or their behavior by the use of technotronic techniques. These are the things that, that has been put out from the top that are real. Because your money went into it, your tax money went into it. Here's an article here, and I mentioned this years ago about televisions, just basic televisions, to show you that from the very beginning they knew about what they could do to your mind, apart from all the rubbish they put on there. <laughs> but here's a patent here, a U.S. patent. This one here is January 14th, 2003. It's one of many, I'm sure. And, and it's one of the more recent, and I'm sure there's much, much older ones in the same area. Nervous system can be manipulated by electromagnetic fields from monitors. Physiological effects have been observed in a human subject in response to stimulation of the skin with weak electromagnetic fields that are pulsed with certain frequencies near 1.5 hertz to 2.4 hertz, such as to excite a sensory resonance. Many computer monitors and TV tubes when displaying pulsed images, emit pulsed electromagnetic fields of sufficient amplitudes to cause such excitation. It is therefore possible to manipulate the nervous system of a subject by pulsing images displayed on a nearby computer monitor or TV set. 
For the latter, the image pulsing may be embedded in the program material or it may be overlaid by modulating a video stream, either as an RF signal or as a video signal. The image displayed on a computer monitor may be pulsed effectively by a simple computer program. For certain monitors, pulsed electromagnetic fields capable of exciting sensory resonances in nearby subjects may be generated, even as the displayed images are pulsed with subliminal intensity. That's one of many of the things that the governments have been working on for an awful, awful long time. And you're all stuck staring at that screen all day long, and you wonder why you're getting terrified. We'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watermore, Cutting Through the Matrix. That patent I just read was actually applied for in 2001. As I say, whatever is applied through the patent office to me is generally obsolete because the big boys at the top, much higher up in the military-industrial complex, believe you me, already have that stuff uh, working very effectively. It's interesting, too, the articles I've read in the past to do with Microsoft even, with their helmets and computer interfaces where these helmets can, with little sensors, can manipulate or, or just basically probe your brain, the, the, the cortex of your brain, and work in conjunction with your thoughts. Supposedly that's where they're working. And at the same time, Microsoft, in one of its own little uh, releases, admitted they were using uh, some laptops, for instance, uh, or working on laptops that had the same kind of technology built into to the frame around the screen, so you wouldn't need the helmet. So this stuff is old. But apart from that, about two years ago, I think it was, I read an article from the Pentagon on its weaponized forms of uh, killer viruses, not to kill the computer, although they can certainly fry it, but to actually work the the signals of your body to such a way that your your blood vessels could narrow so quickly and because they understand the language of what turns on and off your your system via the eyes, just the eyes itself even, and uh, they can actually cause a stroke. It was a Pentagon paper release. So be careful with all of this stuff. Be careful too how much time you spend in front of the box there, uh, whether it's a TV or... Uh, the computers. When you see teachers across the U.S. Uh, manipulating the laptops that are given to the children because they're free, they're free, and everybody grabs them. You know, if there, if there was a cyanide dressed up as a, a, a new age uh, bonbon, sugar bonbon candy, and they said it's free, everybody would take it. That that's how far gone the public are. A mouse has got more caution approaching a trap trying to get the cheese than we have anymore. Just say it's free and we run like a, a, a herd. Boomph, gone. Next thing you know, the teachers are looking into the children's, watching them at home. How long has that been going on for? How long has that been going on for? Do you think government doesn't do the same thing through your computers? Apart from the stuff they have admitted to, the, the, the screeds of stuff I've, I've talked about on the radio from their own Findings from universities that are given access to your computer data 
amongst the, the various intelligence agencies that are given complete access to all your data on a daily basis as they study you. That's just that. They're doing other things as well, obviously. Technotronic warfare, it was called technotronic. Now it's all under the field of neuroscience. And I'll put this patent link up for you to look at yourself after the show. All these articles I always put up on my site when ExploreNet, the satellite upload characters, allow me twice dial-up speed for high speed. That's what they call high speed. And if you use too much of it, what they claim is too much, they, they put you right down until you're below dial-up speed. That's the wonders of modern technology. But it's also the wonders uh, of what they can do to you when they don't like you very much. Now, we're run by think tanks. Governments don't come to the public to see what the public want. That, that's an idea that we're given with democracy. They somehow come to ask us what we want. I don't think that ever really happens, except when governments allow NGOs in that work for the foundations that demand things and get what they want. They're allowed inside it. But we are run by, by think tanks and special think tanks on a very high level. There are staff with academics that are pulled out often of university before they even qualify because they're brighter than the rest in a particular area, a particular speciality. An example is the foresight, another one that advises governments, including Britain, and they've just released a report, the foresight report, and the site here says, Foresight's role is to help government think systematically about the future. Did, did you know that, 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 did these characters come forward, vote Labour, and, and you'll, you're, or vote Liberal, and you'll get, also get Foresight, and you'll get Rand along with them? They, they never mention that, do they? Why don't they go up for election? You see, it's just, democracy is a farce. Politics is a complete farce. So here is, here's one of them, one of the many the governments uh, are working with. Their role is to help government think systematically about the future. It says we use the latest scientific and other evidence combined with future analysis to tackle complex issues and help policymakers make decisions affecting our future. Our work makes a critical contribution to meeting important challenges of the 21st century. And here they go, such as food security, because it's going to be there's going to be rationing coming down the road. Flooding is another thing. And obesity. Obesity comes in with this. And, and of course, they won't tell you why that's lumped in with this. And then there are toolkits there and networks. The links are all here. You can look into them. But you look down and you scroll down to see what they're really up to. They did a two-year study involving over 300 experts and subjects ranging from ecology, economics, planning and geography, uh, and and outline a new approach to managing the UK, for instance, land, uh, and it would be vital to meet the challenge of the 21st century. There's a whole bunch of things down here, from land use, global food and farming futures, global environmental migration, because they expect people to start moving out uh, if they start to think there's going to be... A, uh, all I have to say is it's going to be dry for the next 20 years in a country. That's all I have to say. Hype it up, they'll make them believe anything, and mass migration will occur. That's how stupid the people are. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix, bringing some reality back into your life by showing the simplicity of the techniques that are really used, because most things really are pretty simple. And there's no, there are sciences which deal with managing the masses, as they call them, the great masses, and then categories of different people within the masses, their own sub-masses and so on. These are old, old sciences, well understood and taught in academia. But they've always said that, you see, in a, a true democracy, it would be always hard for a true democracy to stand for any length of time because uh, countries which are not democratic can put things into gear very quickly, get a whole nation mobilized into whatever they want them to do very quickly because they're obedient in a totalitarian society, uh, whereas a, de- a democracy has to coerce and cajole and humor the public to go along with, and they needed a lot of propaganda over a long period of time to make it happen. That's why the Club of Rome, in their book, The First Global Revolution, said that out of all the systems they looked at, communism, socialism, which is really communism, or collectivism, and so on, the, the most they favored was collectivism for the future, and that is what we're going under now. They said the world will be post-democratic, and we are. That's when you must get in the, the heavy hand of government because people will obey, and that's why they chose a war scenario. A war on terror fitted the bill, and a war of men against nature and the environment was the reason for it as well. That would also fit the bill. They said that themselves in their own book, and I've quoted it so many times, I'm pretty well sick of it. <laughs> but we are easily managed. Getting back to the, to the totalitarian systems, it's far, it's far easier for them. That's why the UN picked China as a model state for the world to emulate, not just with their one-child-per-family policy, mandatory abortion and all the rest of it, for more, but for, for, for their whole way of living over in China. There are mass men in China, mass people. And in totalitarian regimes, you must give them uh, an exciting future. It's always a, something in the distant future, but you're all working together towards it. That's exactly what they brought in to us in the West now. We're all in a warfare scenario. We've got to pull together. We're all one working towards a common cause, and we must all sacrifice. That's what totalitarianism lives on and feeds on. That's the way of its modus operandi. This article here shows you how they can do things much quicker in China because, remember, they're still technically communist. This is February the 24th, 2010, from it's the, the women's page, from the Spotlight China uh, newspaper. The ACWF advocates a low-carbon life among women. Uh, it says, now, here it goes. It's, it's, it's so socialistic, the terminology they use. You have to read it for yourself to see how they phrase things. Remember that, that Lenin himself said we shall win by the use of slogans, the repetition of slogans, psychic driving. It says, The old China Women's Federation, the Civilization Office of the Central Communist Party Committee, and the National Development and Reform Commission have jointly pushed for energy conservation and emission reduction community action by carrying out a low-carbon family and fashionable life activity this year. 
low-carbon family and fashionable life is a slogan, which they use over there, it's in quotation marks. But listen to all the organisations, eh? The National Development Reform Commission, the Energy Conservation and Emission Reduction Community Action uh, Society, so on, by carrying out a low-carbon family and fashionable life activity this year. Slogans, slogans, slogans. Some right into action. Activities are to be held by women and within households nationwide to promote a low-carbon lifestyle, to spread low-carbon awareness and to encourage families to live a green life of low energy, low emission, low expense and low cost. Each household is encouraged to live a green life. Oh, so they're going from red to green, which is a sacred color of communism. Red is for the revolutionary part. So as to form a lifestyle and a consumption pattern that conserves energy and products or protects the environment. Families are to contribute their efforts to the development of an economy based on green energy, low carbon output and recycling. The activity is to be carried out in China's 31 provinces, autonomous regions, municipalities and Xinjiang Production and Construction Corps. I don't know what that is. And Xinjiang Production and Construction Corps. Launching ceremonies will be held at the capital of each local administration or administrative region. Do you realize how this is all synchronized together? Just do this and it's done. You just shout from the top and they all run into action. The launching ceremony in Beijing will indicate the start of the activity and the activity will make an appeal to all families to live a low-carbon lifestyle Posters will be put up, banners will be hung high, leaflets will be distributed amongst the participants. They're also pushing for a low meat diet and to grow more veggies, which of course is the agenda here as well. GMO, of course. GMO, of course. But it's got all the different tips at the bottom with the women of the teeth. It's great too how they can split. See, the societies which are totalitarian split the men and the women up. They split them up. And they create an organization out of one and an organization out of the other. They also split the children from the parents psychologically through their education. Uh, they sever the ties and they get the, 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 the more upgraded education indoctrination. And they're also separate with their own uh, mandate to follow out. That's the beauty of having a totalitarian regime. It's, it's so quick and easy to do. Here we have to live in the Western with lies and politicians that pretend to shout to each other or at each other and all the rest of it and, and go through the motions and then your representatives that you think you're elected um, come back and tell you that they can't do much because they must vote with the party and all that stuff. We go through these silly, ridiculous routines all the time. Meanwhile, the bureaucracies are running the countries, as they always have. And the politicians come and go and come and go and come and go. And they sign whatever is put in front of them. Sign this, right, okay. That's the real, that's the real life. That's how, what life is really all about. We're cajoled and conned and humoured. Now, the International Monetary Fund, I've, I've said this so many times again too, was set up to, along with the United Nations, to become a global Power. Everything was to be centralized, first through nations under the communistic techniques, uh, centralize all power, centralize all money power, and then between the countries you make treaties, you centralize them into regions, and then you centralize them into the United Nations. That's what the whole deal was, if you read your books, about the founding and the setting up and the purpose of the United Nations, with all of its many branches. The International Monetary Fund chief pushes for more power and a new global currency. That was uh, Saturday, February 27th, 2010 from Raw Story.
The International Monetary Fund wants more power to police the global financial system and a bigger role in emergency financing, Manager Director Dominique Strauss-Kahn said Friday. In a speech to the Bretton Woods Committee, a finance reform think tank in Washington, D.C., another private think tank, he claimed that a stronger IMF also warrants a new global reserve currency that would serve as an alternative to the U.S. dollar. They keep repeating this, and they will get what they want. Strauss-Kahn said such an asset could be similar to, but distinctly different from the IMF's special drawing rights, or SDRs, as they call them, special drawing rights. The accounting unit that, that countries use to hold funds within the IMF, ABC News reported, is based on a basket of major currencies. One day the fund might even be called upon to provide a globally issued reserve asset similar to, but in important respects different from, the SDR, he said. He said, too, that that having several suppliers of reserve assets would limit the extent to which the international monetary system as a whole depends on the policies and conditions of a single, albeit dominant, country. And it goes on and on and on, with more and more and more. China and Moscow support such a plan, it says, but U.S. leaders have vehemently insisted that empowering the IMF's special drawing rights or establishing another fund with a global pool similar to the dollar is not necessary. Well, they have to say that to keep the pundits in the U.S. voting, you know. And that's the reality of it, too. Centralization is the key to all totalitarianism, and the worst totalitarianism is global. Global. When you're all global living in attorney, you have no other country to compare yourself with. You understand that? In the past, people knew how bad it was uh, in different countries. And you'd always say, my goodness, we're, we don't want to end up like them. So you had something to give you an example. Once you're all global, you have no examples left. You'll think that anything is normal. Anything at all. We already do. Look at all the things that have been crammed down our throats since 2001 for the, for the new century. That's why they picked 21. The new century. The century of change, they called it for 50 years in academia before 2001. The coming century of change. Change is good. Change is good. Pratt, vote for me. Quack, quack. People don't even know what they're living through. Now, totalitarianism is the new method, you see, under collectivism or communism or socialism. You call it what you want. It's all the same thing, really. And you find here that uh, the head of the, the economic union, the president, they've just put in there that the people didn't put in. In fact, he's, he's selected secretly, apparently, like everything else they do there in this beautiful new Sovietized European Union, this region. Uh, not, he's now finding people who criticize him. The politicians who, when politicians can't criticize and put a show on to each other, uh, as they criticize each other and, for, and without getting fined, then you know you're under a straight-faced totalitarian regime. This article is from the European Voice, uh, 2nd to the 3rd, 2010. European Parliament President Jerzy Buzek was fined, has fined Nigel Farage, leader of the UK Independence Party, member of the European Parliament, £3,000. £3,000 is not to be sniffed at. As punishment for an unparliamentary and insulting comments he made about Herman van Rompuy, President of the European Council. 
This is the same council, by the way, where one of the top guys said about a year ago, a year and a half ago, he said that if you criticize the EU, if any citizen crises the economic union and the parliament, that was akin to heresy. Heresy was the word they used in the newspapers. Says Buzek's office confirmed that the president had fined Farage the maximum he could by withholding 10 days worth of daily attendance allowances at £300 a day under the Parliament's Code of Conduct rules. Jeez, that's not bad, eh? $3,000. £3,000. Hmm. The fine was imposed. Now you know why they don't do much in, in that Parliament, too. Eh? The fine was imposed hours after Farage refused to apologise formally for his comments which had been heavily criticised by other MEPs. This was despite a direct request to do so by Buzik. The outspoken British member of European Parliament described Van Rompuy to his face as having the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk, which is true. Which is true. That's what he looks like. As much charisma as H.G. Wells did. And H.G. Wells, when he talked at the Fabian Club, used to get laughed at by the people there. Is, mind you, the webs were even worse, Sidney and Beatrice Webb. You should see who their offspring are, by the way, to surprise you. But that's another story. This is the remarks that Busek said violated the Parliament's rules of conduct. Farage also labelled Belgium as pretty much a non-country. I cannot accept this sort of behaviour in the European Parliament, Busek said, adding that he was disappointed by Farage's conduct and his refusal to apologise. Well, as I say, politicians can't say what they want because that was standard fare for the circus for the public in Britain. And he's a British member of the European Parliament over there doing what you normally do in Britain. But it's, 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 it's verboten because you're in a new system now. You're in a totalitarian system. And the members of the European Parliament have no powers anyway. They can't even vote on laws or anything. They're there for a show. It was worked out to get an average, I think it was of... Uh, 20 minutes per year each to speak. That's the farce. To keep the public happy, you know, your politician might get 20 minutes out the whole year to say something after blowing his nose and so on. Now, things are getting so bad now, and it's so beautiful too that they know how far gone that we are at the top, psychologically, as opposed to people 50 years ago. They keep me common sense and stuff to do with perception management. That as we go down the tubes and shops close down and this kind of thing is happening all over the Western world, what are they doing to, to pretend that things are still okay? This is from the Mail Online. It says, uh, The deli that's for window shoppers only. Fake shop fronts built to cover up high store streets that have been closed down. The 4th of March, 2010. As high streets are decimated by the recession, fake businesses and facades have been installed to create the illusion that shops are still occupied. North Tyneside Council is trialling the new window treatment that at first glance gives the impression that units are occupied. The crumbling facade of a vacant clothing store in the centre of Whitley Bay has made way for a smart shop front with a question, delicatessen, question mark, and close by, this retail space could be yours. The same approach is being considered for empty premises in North Shields and Wall Sands. So that's Britain's answer to, to depression and bankruptcy, is to con the public by making things appear normal so you'll feel better. 
Because, see, we're, we've been taught to be consumers, so if it, if it still appears like things aren't run down and things are still moving, then we'll feel okay. It doesn't, uh, this is way beyond Pavlov. I hope you understand that the minds are dreaming all this stuff up for us. And if they fool you with that, and they treat like children, then they know they can fool people, that's why they're doing it. We are, we become children. Then what else is an illusion? It says we need to ensure that the remaining businesses continue to survive and that means, that means ensuring your high street looks as attractive as possible to both shoppers and potential business investors. It's a simple and cost-effective approach that keeps the retail unit available for potential new users and in the meantime also contributes to the street scene. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, eh? Isn't that wonderful? And here we are watching and living through all this farce and people are worried, as I say, about the internet going down. What will they do? The world has come to an end. A complete and utter end. Hmm. Makes you wonder, eh? Now, as a totalitarian regime, and the one we're in is definitely totalitarian with all of its communist rules, what to say, what to think, what not to think, uh, with even the techniques they use, to inhibit you from thinking about certain things, to put fail-safes in the mind. This is how they describe it, describe it in psychology, how they can condition people and put a fail-safe there. And they actually used techniques that were that they'd studied by people who were um, deeply religious. They, they, someone who was deeply religious, if they were going into an area of thought that could potentially be a sin, they veered away from it. The same techniques are now used about what's politically correct. And that's what they're using. And I'll explain this after I come back from this break. I'm Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix. Talking about... How socialism, communism, whatever you might call it, works, or any totalitarian movement really, how it really works on a mass level. And indoctrination is very important, and they know exactly how to bring in new ideas, how to promote the new ideas, to we parrot them all, and the media is always all on board with them at all steps of the upgrading. And that's what they're doing, they're upgrading you all the time. Right down to what you think, what you say. You're not allowed to discover anything for yourself and formulate your own opinion anymore. That's verboten. We're all standardized. We're all the same. We're just like that China article I read recently. That's what we are. We're all the same. And here's where it's going now with their indoctrination and their inability for to allow individuality or self-expression to come out at all. This, again, is where the whole world is going because Britain is a flagship for this. Mail Online, uh, this is says, 4th of March 2010. Heads will be forced to list, this is heads of schools, be forced to list children as young as five on school hate registers over every playground insults. Even minor incidents must be recorded as examples of serious bullying and details kept on a database until the people leave secondary school. They'll never leave their database. Teachers are, are to be told, teachers are, this is the same teachers in Britain, that are so happy to drug the children. Now, not all teachers are bad, especially the older ones that have lived through and saw this stuff coming in. 
But a lot of the young ones are all gung-ho because they've been brought up thinking it's quite normal to drug children. Teachers are to be told that even if a primary school child uses homophobic or racist words without knowing their, without knowing their meaning. Now, these children are watching movies and stuff all the time, and if you want to hear stuff, you get it all through the movies and, and so on. And they parrot them. All the swear words and even what the, all the sexual stuff. So, if they, if they parrot this stuff without knowing their meaning, simply teaching them such words are hurtful and inappropriate is not enough. Instead, the incidents are to be recorded on his or her behavior, monitor, and, and or her behavior monitored for future signs of hate bullying. The accusations will also be recorded in databases held by councils and made available to Whitehall, that's the government, and ministers to help them devise future anti-bullying campaigns. So just saying something is now considered bullying. The scale of the effort to stop children using homophobic or racist language was revealed after the parents of a 10-year-old primary school. I'll just give you one example that's blown out of proportion. In Somerset, Peter Drury were told that his name would be put on register and his behaviour monitored while he remained at school. The boy, the boy was reported after he called a friend gay boy. His parents fear that the record of homophobic bullying will count against him throughout his school career and even into adulthood. Another incident last year, a six-year-old girl, Sharona Gower, was reported for racist bullying at her school near Turnbridge Wells in Kent. It's such a, a farcical thing because, you see, every, every, every nationality that comes into the school, if there's enough of them from, from, from enough places, they're all, they all form their own cliques right away, their own little gangs. That's what they do. But you're not allowed to speak about it, and you're not supposed to have any opinion of yourself. Or for yourself. That's, that's, you're supposed to take the standard politically correct opinion for everything. That's the world we're into. Totalitarianism brought by the leader, the leading country for world democracy, Great Britain. Now, I don't know if there's any callers because my page didn't go up tonight to see, but um, I'll be back tomorrow night again. So, from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada. And before I say this, before I say it's good night and your God of God's go with you, I should also say, take the data, be empowered by the data, overcome your fear, and you'll feel much stronger. Back tomorrow night.